Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your interviewer, Louise Robbins, and I would like to introduce Paul Soglin, running for Madison Mayor. As we begin, please tell our viewers a bit about yourself and why you're running for mayor. Well, Madison's a really exciting city. We are a very successful city, but that success, uh, particularly following the Great Recession of 2008, is not extended throughout all of our community. When I came back into office in 2011 up through uh, 2017, which is where we have the latest data, uh, we've made a lot of significant strides in improving the gaps and disparity that are based on race, uh, based on ethnic background. And I'd like to continue that work and continue that work so that uh, we continue to be recognized as one of only you know, 11 cities out of 100 that has made economic progress and seen it cross racial and ethnic lines. In spite of Madison's being a generally safe city, a recent spate of car thefts, break-ins, and burglaries have left Madisonians feeling uneasy. How would you tackle this situation? Like most of the instances over the years where we get a rash of, of crimes, it's usually just a couple of individuals, and that's exactly what has happened with the car thefts, with the break-ins into homes, and a couple of instances where we've had assaults on individuals. Uh, recently, we arrested four people, um, very young, and we've already seen a significant drop in the number of, of these events. And those four people were tied to over 30 such of, the, of these, these break-ins. The problem is we keep arresting them. The police department is doing their part, but they get released. And the reason they get released is the criminal justice system has limited options, particularly what to do with folks who are so, so young. It used to be that you had Lincoln Hills as a viable option uh, and group homes, as well as releasing them back to their own families. Well, Lincoln Hills is an unacceptable uh, resolution of what to do with a troubled young person. Releasing them back to their homes, they're not getting supervision, they're not getting treatment. And unfortunately, decisions by our Dane County government to basically change the funding structure eliminated the group homes. We've got to collaborate with Dane County, reinstitute uh, group homes for, for these, these youth, and we will stop the recidivism and subsequently not only make the community safer, but get these young people on, on a new path. Madison's efforts to address chronic homelessness have appeared to fall short, especially with regard to providing sufficient support systems for housing first approach. What new ideas do you have that might create greater success for projects such as the one on Tree Lane? You know, the question of homelessness, particularly chronic homelessness, has plagued the city uh, in the last uh, 15, 20 years, again, particularly since the onset of the, of the Great Recession in 07 and 08. And we have more than enough people telling us how to solve the problem. But when it comes time to providing the care and the support system, we are lacking. And so uh, I began the initiative to implement Housing First. We've done more uh, than just anybody else 
in regards to chronically homeless single individuals and chronically homeless families. But we need strong case management and support. And I mean, we just had an incident the other day where, where one of our residents was brutally attacked by the father of, of, of her child. The child was injured in that instance. And we not only have to provide physical security for her, but we've also got to deal, again, with the case management part of it, which is uh, for her getting support in dealing with trauma, her child, and the man who's, who's attacking her. This means that the county, which is principally re- responsible for social services, the United Way with its access to the private sector, have got to step in and help and get more resources to organizations like the YWCA or the Road Home. And then, then we'll see greater success in our housing initiatives. The Madison Police Department has been faulted for not having appropriate policies and training around de-escalation and use of force, especially with regard to people of color. What is your perspective on whether any changes are needed in ways Madison Police operate in our community? So the City Council's got a study committee that's been working on this now. Uh, for a couple of years, the uh, report was due by the end of last year, but I'm very pleased that the department has gone ahead, added additional training, particularly in regards to de-escalation and also in regards to implicit bias. So the department is moving forward in these areas, even though the study committee hasn't completed its work. In what ways can and should the city interact with and support the schools in their efforts to promote academic success for all students, regardless of class, race, language background, or gender identity? A couple of things. First of all, before I came into office, there was no formal integration on out-of-school time, OST, or as we call it here in Madison, most Madison out-of-school time. We know that one of the greatest problems in terms of academic performance is what happens after school, on the weekends, and during vacations, particularly during long vacations where we see the documentation of sliding backwards. So we, the city, initiated a program, the school district joined, and now we've got most working on out-of-school time and focusing on making sure that what a lot of middle-class kids in our community get, which is everything from cultural and artistic and recreational, athletic programs, uh, tours and trips, the kinds of things that enhance academic performance is spread and we close that gap in disparity. Second thing is what happens in our neighborhoods. It's been a struggle. Uh, It's one of the sources of conflict between the city council and myself. But getting more invested in neighborhood centers, particularly computer access in both neighborhood centers and libraries, so we can get better academic success. Kids without access to the Internet and computers are not going to be competitive. There is a perception that Madison's story is a tale of two cities, one in which people of color are less likely to experience success. What can be done to ensure that Madison is a community in which all people can thrive? Well, we can start with a number of of markers that have been measured to define that, and all I can say is do and expand on what I have been doing. For example, when I came into office, African-American unemployment was over 25%. 
Now it's under 7%. It is lower than the state and the national averages. It means doing things like if you're going to financially work with a private corporation in the city, you require, as a condition of getting city support, you have to have a minimum of $15 an hour, you have to have a job that provides a pension and health insurance, and you have to train uh, and provide access to those jobs to people in the community. What it means is working with private sector employers and getting them to follow the city's lead of not only providing jobs at a minimum of 15 an hour, but also working on uh, training and, and job development like we've set up with that new facility that's opening on the, on the west side in collaboration with the Urban League. Another thing is transportation. We are in the process and we've already made significant changes in the bus system routes so that people can physically get from one place to the other. Uh, after housing, impediments involving transportation and access is the greatest barrier to economic success. Last thing is what we're working on is uh, entrepreneurship. One of the ways to get to home ownership and cl closing economic gaps is to get focused on having businesses and having the ability to pass on intergenerational wealth. What changes, if any, would you make to the ways in which Madison approaches major developments such as Judge Doyle Square or the public market? Well, in both instances, uh, I did bring about some changes, and starting with the public market. The public market, uh, we didn't do a formal racial analysis. I didn't need to. I saw immediately what was wrong with the original design of the public market. It was designed to cater to tourists and business people, people with more money to spend at that market than the average Madisonian. I wanted a market that was focused on accessibility and nutritious, fresh food at a cost that real people could afford. In addition, in terms of the vendors, and we've been very successful at this with our Market Ready program, over two-thirds of the vendors come from communities of, of, of color, African-American, uh, Asian, and, and Latinx. And making those conscious decisions is what is so critical. Same thing with Judge Doyle Square, though in that case where you're doing physical development, you have, unfortunately, here in Wisconsin, the impediments structured by the Walker administration, which do not allow us to do the kinds of preferences, to do the project labor agreements, and all of that kind of good work uh, that protects working people. At times, communication between the mayor and alders seems difficult. Is this a problem? And if so, how would you improve communication? Well, I made a promise and a commitment in 2011 when I was elected that I was going to focus on the problems of poverty and equity and the incredible strain on the city budget, particularly the almost illegal borrowing that was taking place where they were borrowing money called premium and putting it into the operating budget. I had to make a decision that very first budget. Do I keep the promise to the people, the commitment I had made in terms of shifting priorities or uh, and in terms of, of, of financial responsibility to do those things. I worked with the council members. In a couple of cases, I was actually double-crossed where promises were made and then amendments were made on the council floor. And I had a choice. I could either back off and, 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 and simply allow that to go and remain silent or fight it. I decided that the obligation to the people of the city, 
the obligation to equity, the obligation to social justice, the obligation to people on fixed incomes who are facing rising property taxes and fees came first. The solution in my mind is the people of this city have to reaffirm that those are their values and make it clear they expect that from their city council representatives. What would you like to say to the viewing audience as we complete this interview? Well, we got a, we got a choice here. We have a choice in terms of performance of, of two people who have held elected office. I have made a commitment all of my life in regards to social justice, racial justice, and, and equity. And the performance is there in my record. The performance is not there in my opponent's record. You look at the time she was on the city council. You look at the lack of responding to uh, the, the Great Recession in those years. And you look at the results we've seen in terms of how I've produced economic results, the same markers that we had in the Race to Equity study. And, and I think that that's the most important value that is treasured by the people of this city. I want to thank Paul Soglin for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidate. Please vote in this and every election. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, thank you for joining us.